still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to an emergency edition of the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the useless boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gable and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow long-suffering Bath fan, Tom. Tom, after a 48-3 demolition at the hands of Bristol, I tentatively ask you, how are you, mate? Oh mate, I think I think useless is is a bit harsh. I mean, we only conceded forty eight points away um, last week. We conceded over fifty fifty two points at home to Wasps. So uh, you know we're on the way up. G, we are. Um, you know it's 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 only full steam ahead from now on. I mean, there we go. First positive off the bat. I think you know I, I was worried this was going to be littered with. With negatives, um, so yeah, first positive off the bat, Tom. Um, hugely disappointing, but I think one thing that that we, well, two things actually that we pride ourselves on here at the Bath Rugby Plug, and that is um, firstly being by the fans for the fans. Uh, so Bryn Thompson uh, tweeted us at ten past nine saying, "Lads, can you please record the podcast now? I literally can't wait until next week. I need to hear your voices, emotions right now." Well, Brim, we've had two hours of technical difficulties, but we finally managed to record the podcast. Um, and we are by the fans, for the fans. So we are doing this for you guys to kind of, I don't know, ease some nerves or hear some home truths, whatever happens over the next 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and the other thing we pride ourselves on here, Tom, at the Bath Rugby Plug is being sticking behind the boys through thick and thin. So I'll ask you this, is this as thin as it's been in your lifetime? Well, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, blaming Stuart Hooper, blaming Neil Hatley. I only blame one man for this result, and that is that is you, G. I mean, anyone that was listening to, to BBC Radio Bristol before the game would have heard... Um, G on a very you know um, uncharacteristically articulate interview um, talking to Jeff Twentyman about how we'd 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 get the win it'd be twenty eight points to twenty seven um, you know he nearly got the aggregate points uh, correct but not quite the the scoreline and he predicted um, a dominant performance by our infinitely more experienced halfbacks in Ben Spencer and 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 Reese Priestland who you know. Um, kick into corners and, and dominate the, the territorial game. Um, but yeah, um, not to BG. So in the same way that people are asking questions of Stuart Hooper, um, I'll ask a question of you. What went wrong with your with your master be- game plan um, on the service broadcast? Yeah, I mean, the BBC often criticised for some questionable content, but if anyone was listening at around 6.15 tonight... Uh, Friday night, then they'd be thinking, who was that idiot Bath fan they had on saying that Bath were going to win and, and you're right, Tom, the halfbacks were going to pull the strings. In fact, it was almost the complete opposite. I think Andy Euron actually ended up getting the BT Sport Man of the Match award and, and Yoan Lloyd, the young fly half, was absolutely outstanding. I think we've spoken previously, myself and Charlie, about how we were worried the, the influence Callum Sheedy was going to have on the game. But when they took Yoan Lloyd off for Callum Sheedy, it almost felt like a win the way that, that the guy was pulling the strings and exploiting 
what was an extremely fragile Bath defence, Tom. And let's start there, you know, enough about Bristol. Let's start kind of digging into where it went wrong for Bath. And if we're looking, Tom, kind of like a pie chart of blame for this 48-3 defeat, Tom, where does the greatest segment of that pie fall in your book? I think I think you mentioned it. I think it's it's defence for me. And if you if you look at um, the you know recent history of of Bath Rugby performances, so the last sixteen Premiership games. So this is since the initial lockdown when obviously had the we had the last portion of of last season and this, then this season, and we had eight games um, following that that kind of first restart um, you know that, that, that was the end of, of last season if, if I'm making any sense um, we won seven out of eight of those games and uh, we got into the top four obviously um, and average scoreline in in that game was 33 points to 18 so not only were we scoring more tries and it, in fact we were um, you know we were really dangerous with ball in hand at times but particularly from from close quarters. Um, and up front, and the set piece is very strong. Um, but since that point, we've won one out of eight, and the average scoreline has been 19 points to 33. Um, so not only, as we spoke about in the last podcast, has our attack been been poor, but our defence has been so much more porous than it has been, even in the last six months when we've had the same coaching staff and the same players. Um, and I think that was brought out by... You know, a Bristol side that were high on confidence, that, that played well, that got some star runners, but we made it all too easy for them. Gee, you know, we were making basic, basic errors. We were dog legged in defence. They were finding the gaps way too easily. We weren't communicating. Um, you know, Ben Spencer, um, for example, one of the tries taking the outside man when Kristen Judge was nowhere near, um, getting there, for example, just a lack of communication and basic, um, uh, you know, errors in defence. Um, that, that we're making. And I think that that made it all too easy for Bristol to to break the line, to offload or to pass um, and to score, you know, um, way too comfortably as they did. Yeah, we've spoken, I think, a lot this season about the, the lack of first phase tries, the lack of attack, you know, our points really only coming from individual bits of brilliance, be that from Rory McConaughey or uh, Ben Spencer or Cameron Redpath. But I think you're right. This, this tonight, this was our defence that was put under the microscope. And I kind of turned to 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 Twitter to to uh, look at where a lot of the the Bath fans on there lie the blame. And I think a lot of them kind of look at it as as Hooper's fault. So Chris Cleland said it's a bad football cliche, but surely it has to. It is hard to reach any other conclusion than Hooper has lost the players. Uh, Toby Elliott says heads must roll. Um, for example, as well, uh, Tom Scriven says, sorry, lads, but this has to be the end for Hooper. And Ryan North says, hate to say it, enough is enough for Hooper. But I think it's really difficult to, to lay all of the blame at Hooper. And I think one guy whose name is missed off a lot of those comments is Neil Hatley, Tom. He is the head coach of this team, ultimately. And presumably... He is the defence coach. He's certainly the forwards coach, but there is no listed defence coach in that Bath coaching setup. They've got coaches for just about everything else. You know, they've got coaches for, for, for yeah, as I say, for almost everything else. But there isn't a listed defence coach. So I think it's presumed by me and I think by you as well that Neil Hatley is that defence coach. And I think he's kind of almost coming across a little bit scot free, and that everyone's sort of 
putting all the blame at Hooper's door. But we've spoken before that, that Hooper isn't actually the coach of these guys. Uh, and I think Neil Hatley should be kind of taking a little bit more of that blame pie. But I think that when you set up a coaching staff where you've got a, a kind of director of rugby who is ultimately um, kind of the overseer of everything, and that is exasperated by BT Sport, who are always interviewing Hooper, be that pre-game, post-game, or during the game. It means that the buck stops with Hooper, and that is why kind of Bath fans see him as almost like a bit of a whipping boy. But for me, Tom, Neil Hatley kind of has to come under a little bit more heat uh, after this dire performance than, than perhaps he is. Yeah, I think I think you, yeah, you, you've made a lot of good points in, in in what you're saying, and I think the the first one is that when you look at our coaching composition, it, it it is a little bit of a strange one. So we've obviously got Stuart Hooper, who is the director of rugby, Neil Hatley, head coach, uh, Gervin Hempsey for now, as we spoke about being Tack and Baxter, and then there's a whole raft of kind of specialist positions. We've got this performance pathway coaches, so presumably focusing on the academy and, and the younger players. Um, then if you look on the Bath website, we've got S&C guys, um, a head of s- applied science and research, head of medical services, um, about five or six S&C and sports scientists, um, a, a masseuse, a you know, performance analysis, Katie Warriner as a sports psychologist, um, and, you know, a whole, a whole other number of people. And... You know, I, I have no doubt that all those guys play their role, but there is no defence coach. And let's be clear, in rugby, there are two sides of the ball. You've got attack and defence. And we have no one who is, uh, you know, specifically targeting one side of that game. And, and that, to me, seems strange. And I think looking across a few other, you know, if, if you look at England, if you look at um, Ireland, if you look at, I think, most of the premiership rugby sides as well, there will be a dedicated defence coach. And I think that... That's strange. And I think hopefully that kind of performance against Bristol um, will highlight that there needs to be a dedicated resource to, to someone like that because these aren't bad defenders. Jonathan Joseph is one of the best defenders uh, in the outside channel in the world. And I think most people would agree with that. He's done it for the Lions. He's done it for England on 51 occasions. And uh, he doesn't get bad overnight and he doesn't miss tackles against Piers O'Connor overnight. And uh, I, I do think that, as you say, blame has to lie with the guys at the top. So Neil Hatley and Stuart Hooper, they need to get a guy in to do the defensive job. Um, otherwise, criticism will continue to be directed their way um, uh, as it is being now. But I think that there, there's certainly a weight of argument, G, on Twitter, um, uh, which is our main social media platform. And apologies if you've got in touch with an email because I, I tend to check that only about every once every every blue moon but there, there seems to be a weight of, of kind of argument on Twitter that Hooper should go um, and you know there doesn't seem to be any alternative given by these people but I, I'd be interested to hear what, what you think are you on board with the kind of um, you know Stuart Hooper has had his time um, and if so who is the replacement because surely that's the more important uh, point in all of this so you're telling me Tom that 
two performance psychologists that are listed on the, the staff, I'm going to stop 45 missed tackles. I completely agree. There seems to be an abundance of, of, of people doing anything but teaching these boys how to defend in, in, in an adequate structure. Um, but coming on to your question, I think Matt Dolby on Twitter twice got in touch with us tonight to say that Scott Robertson from the Crusaders, who actually took over from Bart's previous coach, Todd Blackadder, would be a, a, a really good choice as the, the head coach of oh, Bath. Then... But... Sorry, Tom, what was that? Well, I was going to say, we've had a good experience with um, with ex-Crusaders uh, coaches in the past. But sorry, go on. Go on. Well, no, I, I think that actually when Scott Robertson took over, he then led them to, to four Super Rugby titles after a, a barren spell of seven years with, with Todd Blackout. But I think, you know, to Matt's point, I'd like Richie Mwanga as Bath's fly half. I'd like, you know, um, I'd like to have any number of that Crusaders. Matt Mercer was on number eight, long term. Yeah, I'd like to have any number of that Crusaders team in the playing staff. And I think more of the question is, will he come? But I think really the, the, the rhetoric around Hooper out, for me, is still kind of premature. Well, I don't think premature. I just don't think it's warranted because there was so much talk of Blackadder out, Blackadder out, Blackadder out, from the same people that are now saying kind of get rid of this coaching staff. And I think that kind of that isn't always the, the, the kind of recipe for success. We've seen so many occasions that the most successful sides in the Premiership and across European rugby, be that Bristol with Pat Lamb or be that Exeter with uh, Rob Baxter or... Saracens with Mark McCall or Leicester Tigers previously with Richard Cockrell. These guys have consistency at the top. And I just think that this chopping and changing of DOR is, is something that is kind of brought on through the, the um, frequency of it in other sports. So football, American football, a lot of these sports kind of see that as the best option as opposed to changing the playing staff and changing that side, which is probably going to have bigger financial implications fans want to see kind of a massive change at once and they think that perhaps changing one guy at the top will have this overriding effect yeah. but, but Stuart Hooper sacking Stuart Hooper doesn't make Chris Judge make a tackle doesn't make Tom Dunn hit his line outs like that there's, there's a lot bigger issues than, than kind of sacking one guy does not solve that 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 huge issue and you're right kind of if we did strike lightning in a bottle and get someone like pat lamb who kind of revolutionizes the whole um the whole i hate to say the word culture but the whole way of of, of playing at a club then fine but i think we've seen so often that these clubs that continue to chop and change look at leicester tigers for example these clubs that continue to chop and change do not have ultimate success and i think there the changes do need to be made but i just don't think tom that 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 is the top guy at the head of the club. Yeah, and it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, we as fans only see a tiny portion of what goes on at a club. We only see what's in the media, which is very, very little because Stuart Hooper gives us essentially nothing. So we essentially see what goes on the pitch. Um, and so when it goes poorly, people um, almost in a knee-jerk reaction look to the top Whereas actually like a game of rugby, an 80-minute game of rugby is a very complex, um, you know, uh, set. It, it, it's, a very, it, it's a very complex, um, you know, set of events, ultimately, that, that, that has both, um, in this case, the opposition, us, the referee, 
And it's very difficult to judge and, and to look at what's going on, um, you know, and, and just and make big calls like that. And I think what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to get to is that, you know, Stuart Hooper, I think in his, in his post-match interview, he, he called out a couple of things that I think Bath fans will look at as rank excuses. You know, the fact that we, we lost both our second rows, one being our captain, after 11 minutes to an HIA, the fact that we then lost Rory McConaughey to an injury and had Falcon Asiga um, come on, and uh, the fact that we then had two sin bins. And I think that, you know, if that happened in a game that was close, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the, the talk after would be around, you know, well, that was a, you know, that, that was a significant thing to happen. But because we lost so badly, the focus is suddenly shifted from those events and onto Stuart Hooper. Um, and it seems, it seems a little bit unfair because, you know, those are clearly significant things to happen and he can't shoulder the blame for them. And, you know, you mentioned the line-out, that was particularly poor, but we didn't have a caller. Zach Mercer was calling the line-out um, in, that, in that second half. So I, I, I think it's... I'm, I no, think I'm not having me, that. I'm not having that. They're rank excuses, Tom. They are rank excuses. You said it yourself. I'm sorry, losing uh, Josh McNally and Elliot Stook and replacing with Mike Williams and Tau Lupe Falatau, who was by far and away Bath's best player on the night, is not the reason we got absolutely pumped tonight. I'm sorry, a line-out caller, Tom Dunn's an England international. If there's no line-out caller on the pitch, then he bloody should call the line-out, Talupi Falatau. We had Josh Bayliss and Miles Reid on there, who were excellent line-out forwards. Talupi Falatau, an excellent. Mike Williams, we've got four line-out forwards there. And and, and losing Roy McConaughey to England international Joe Thocknesega, who, again, I thought played well is not the reason we lost that. Tom, I'm not having them. They are rank, excuse, rank excuses, as is an excuse which I would not want to be made. I know, yeah. Go on. Sorry, I'll continue there. Another excuse that I think potentially could be made, Tom, is this, this, this thought that kind of, that BT were, were kind of speaking about throughout the game was that Bath's training ground was shut for a period of time. But again, that's an ex- uh, uh, another excuse. That's right, I lost you there. Another excuse, Tom, which, which doesn't explain why we lose by 45 points to, to Bristol. It's not acceptable. And, and kind of the loss of the guys early and also the, the, uh, the difficulties in the, the pre-match do not explain why you lose so badly. Yeah, I mean, when you know, when when you say it like that, I mean, these are professional guys. They must train for every eventuality. Um, you know, they're both losing both both second rows. They must, you know, as you say, they're professionals, um, and 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 they need to react. But the fact is, they they didn't. Um, but I I I think my my, my point stands in that I. It, I, I, I don't like the tendency just to go to the top and blame blame Stuart Hooper um, without any remedy. I mean, there, there there seems to be a bit of a tendency amongst Bar fans, in my view, to to blame Hooper to to to, to want him gone um, when he doesn't coach the team. He you know he picks he recruits and he and he picks the coaches, but he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't pick the team. Um, and there's other guys at the top of the club who don't get put in front of the media. Um, in front of BT and other media who are also, you know, heavily involved in those kind of processes. Um, so just to pin it, I, I think just to pin it all at his door as opposed to the other players, uh, as opposed to the other coaches, sorry, like Hatley, as you're saying, and the other players, 
um, I think is I think is harsh, and I think it would be short-sighted of the club to um, to to you know in a Leicester Tigers way get rid of Stuart Hooper without a kind of long-term proper replacement. Um, uh, and I haven't heard anything credible suggested by those the, the, those fans who are um, saying that. So yeah, let us know. I mean, you know, this is normally your line, G, but you know, get in touch with us. Let us know what is the grand master plan. Is it Steve Diamond? Is it um, uh, you know, is it the what's the Crusaders guy? Um, Scott Robinson. Scott Robertson, who I mentioned. Scott Robinson, exactly. Is it is you know, is it going to be is it going to be Ben Urbano rapping and Scott Robertson breakdancing? Is that all we can expect from? Um, from from next season, just let let us know because I haven't seen anything credible that that um, that, that gives me any confidence from that point of view, G. No, and, and I think the performance on the pitch just 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 wasn't good enough, Tom. And some stats to kind of outline that, some depressing stats to outline that. So seventy seven hundred and seventy five meters made by Bristol, so one hundred and eighteen by Bath, 32 offloads by Bristol, four for Bath, uh, 45 missed tackles, I think I already mentioned by Bath, is simply unacceptable. I think our podcast friend Charlie, who who couldn't even bring himself to join us tonight, wanted us to mention that over the course of this season, we've averaged 35 points conceded and only 18 points scored. Clearly, you're not going to win many games of rugby if those are your averages. And we've conceded 28 oh. tries now. And I think the next closest to Bath is 20 tries. So it's hugely disappointing, Tom. And I think even more disappointing because we left the end of last season in relatively optimistic spirits about this team. We kind of felt like they were going in the right direction and the start of this season perhaps has proved that that, that may have been a little bit short-sighted. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so, so disappointing. But I think ultimately a, a, a sweeping change at the top is, is as I agree with you, Tom, is is perhaps not the right decision, and and there are changes to be made. I think there are changes in the playing staff and some of the coaching staff to be made. But to to sack a guy who isn't actually involved in a lot of the coaching based on this performance, I think would be would be pretty short sighted. Yeah, I think the other stat that was that was mentioned was that um, six of our fifteen starting players did not make a carry, a single carry in the, in the whole match. You've got Jake, Wool- you've got, you've got Jake Woolmore and Chris Fury, you know, ultimately championship fodder uh, who are, who are making break after line break. And um, you just wonder what, what is going on. And, you know, Couple of that's, 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 that's all we've done. Gee, gee, one thing, one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up with. One thing. We talk about making sweeping changes at the top. And um you talk about, you know, having a vision and it going wrong. And the one team that has done that and it's failed, and they have um taken the decision that a lot of, of, of Bath fans want Bath to, and that is Harlequins with with Paul Gustard. He came in with his snakes and his tackle bags. And he has departed about as quickly as um, as he came in. And Harlequins at home, as quickly as I would be, emerged. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Or, or tackling. Um, <laughs> um, so Harlequin to home the next game. And I mean, Bath have been poor, but there are teams that are worse. There are teams that are lower. <laughs> Gloucester have been poorer. Quinns have been poorer. And this is a very, I think we shouldn't overlook that this is an extremely difficult time for players and coaches for whatever reasons, for reasons that we don't know. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of teams are out of sorts. Um, and, I, 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 you know, when I checked the fixture list after that Bristol game and just thought, oh, who have we got next? Um, I, was, I, was, I was pleased to see that, you know, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We've got Quinns at home and you talk about must-win games. Uh, Jesus Christ, that is one. Yeah, so that's two examples, Tom, for me of, of clubs that do have made changes at the top and it just hasn't worked. So Harlequins got rid of that. Um, I can't remember his name, that old guy, and got in Gusted, which obviously hasn't worked. Gusted's no longer at the club. And Gloucester, who you mentioned there, got in Skivington and, and, and that clearly hasn't worked. Um, I think a few home truths, Tom, that I've kind of got written down before we wrap this podcast up. And I think if there are any Bath Rugby players listening to this podcast um now might be a good time to to kind of switch off and and get a bit of rest ahead of that huge harlequins game tom but i think number one for me uh there's a huge drop off between ben urbano will stewart and the rest of the props at the club not only in the set piece but around the park um i think there's also uh, a huge drop off at scrum half without ben spencer playing fantastically this team looks kind of devoid of ideas i think Cam Redpath is easily, easily the best centre at the club, including Jonathan Joseph, including Josh Matavesi, comfortably the best centre in the club. I think that Tom Dunn had a poor game tonight. I think the line out in that first half was was not acceptable, even without those second rows. I think we love Tom Dunn, but that wasn't good enough tonight. I think Roy McConaughey is too quiet. I don't think he's getting in the game enough. And I think we should probably call out Tom. We love Roy McConaughey, but if that's Joe Thock and Seager, we're getting stuck into him. Defensively, he's not been good enough. And in attack, he's not been good enough. And the final one, Tom, is this is Tian Schumann's team. Thank you very much, Reese Priestland. You've been brilliant at times. You've kicked your goals. You've put us in the right areas and you've won us games occasionally. But this is your team, Chan Schumann, and do what you will with it because that is all I want. I'm fed up of Reese Priestland at 10 now. I've seen that. He's taken us as far as he possibly can. If Wayne Pivak wants to see Reese Priestland in the shirt, be my guest because this is Tian Schumann's team from next week. 100%, 100% agree with you. I mean, this league is very likely to be ring-fenced this season anyway. Uh, it is, uh, you know, ultimately the season, we talk about nothing to lose and that's a strange sentiment to have when we are hurting as much as we are having lost to Bristol. But ultimately, this is the time to get new players involved and to blood new talent. And we, it should, human at 10 and Orlando Bailey in the 22 shirt should from now on, be a permanent fixture, especially as the if the club are already aware that Reese Priestland has signed for Cardiff, as it is strongly rumoured that he has. We need to be looking ahead to next season. This season ultimately may not count for very much. You know, we're we're unlikely to be able to challenge for the the top four. Even you know, the top six might be a push now down in down in ninth place. We now need to look ahead to next season when it will count more. Hopefully. Um, and we can, you know, properly look ahead to how we're going to 
um, improve the side. And I agree, G. Tian Schumann, give him a proper go. See, as we did with Priestland, see what he's like. See if see if he can get the backline ticking um, more than he is. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. the, and the, and the a couple of young guys, Tom, that I want to see more involved. I want to see Will Vaughan more involved in the loosehead prop shirt. I want to see Miles um, Reed and Josh Bayliss more involved. One of them at seven. I think Josh Bayliss has actually been really good this season. I want to see Max Green on the bench at scrum half. As we say, I want to see Tian Schumann. I want to see Max um, Wright in the centres. And I'll see Gabe Hamer-Webb or Darren Atkins constantly starting in that back, that back three. Because if you are right, it needs to be ring fence and these changes need to be made. And there's no way that they can do a worse job than, than what we saw tonight. No way. Yeah, this, I, I agree. We're going to talk positives. I think um, the two young lads in the back row had had, had mm. probably some of the best games I've seen. I mean, I think Toby Fata when he came on, was um, maybe the standout player, actually, in, in a bath shirt. Um, but 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 Miles Reed, Josh Bayliss, they were eager. Josh Bayliss has, I think, got better in terms of deciding which breakdowns to go for and deciding where where not to because um, he was getting on the wrong side of the referee uh, too much. Um, so really promising there, as you say, as you say. And there's let's not forget. I mean, you know, let's let's try and end this on a on a positive note. There's so much talent in this squad. We are we're playing poorly there's no doubt about that and it's hard to put your finger on what it is whether it's coaching whether it's players whether it's trust whether it's fitness whether it's losing players to England whether it's just you know long-term tiredness of rugby whatever you think it is you can't argue with the fact that there is plenty of talent in this in this side the recruitment over the last couple of years and the moving on of players such as Dave Atwood such as Khan Fotwali um, etc has been um, I think good for the long-term prospects. Of life, exactly. And um, you know, I, I think we need we need to we need to remember that um, in the back of our minds, even when it when it gets tough on nights like this. Yeah, Tom, a very very tough night, and hopefully a few home truths spoken there um, by the Bath Rugby plug lads. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope that was. Chief, um, can, can I end on one thing? Yeah, mate. Sorry, away. mate. I just want to end on one thing. So as soon as I the, the game ended um, and, you know, I watched the, the interview with Stuart Hooper, which was kind of equally depressing, um, and the interview with Pat Lamb, which was, um, you know, Why even are you more... putting yourself through that? I, was. I just, you know, I, you know I, need, I need to do it. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> um, I, um, uh, I switched over to um, a, a recording that I, I hold dear, which is the... The semi-final against um, against uh, Leicester Tigers when we got into into that final in the 2014-15 season when we pumped Leicester Tigers um, at the wreck on a sunny day. Uh, George Ford pulling the strings. Jonathan Joseph looking like a different player to the the player we saw we saw tonight. Matt Banahan, who has come back to Bath recently, um, running in a try in 90 seconds in, um, uh, and 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 our very own Stuart Hooper. Um, you know, bossing the line out and the and the driving mall. I just thought, you know, that's only four or five years ago. A lot of the the the, the same players are still involved. Those players have had good experiences. They've been internationals. They've um, had you know moved into coaching qualifications. And it's very easy as a Bath fan to to get down in the dumps. But ultimately, those times um, um, were, uh, were, in my view, some of the the best of of recent memory as a Bath fan. 
and um, those times equally are, are potentially not far away. So we, re- I, I think this is the most important time when you've got your closest rivals breathing down your neck and, and giving you a stick on social media. Um, just stick through it as much as you can. Keep the TV on when we're losing these games. Keep supporting, keep cheering um, because those, those times are, are just around the corner. And imagine after all this, how sweet they'll feel when they, when they finally do return.